Good Monday morning, guys. My name is Jerry Miller, and this is Real Talk with Keith Smith. Thank you kindly for joining us on the first day of the week. We are now seven days removed from Christmas, and it's the wonderful time of year where the cheer and the holiday spirit just begins to consume the entire community. My favorite time of year. Also my favorite time of the year as our beloved clients have high expectations for things to get done before close of business 2023, <laughs> which, hey, work is work, and I'm certainly not complaining, but it's been quite busy around the Macklin Building and, and V&B Brands. Judah Wickhauer is our director and producer. Today's panel is one of talented proportions. We have three commodities that are absolutely known in Charlottesville and Almaro County in Central Virginia. You will know them from perhaps other shows on the I Love Seville Network or perhaps the real estate world and as champions of Hispanic business in this community. Judah, if you could, go to the foreshot and let's welcome, I think, gentlemen that need no introduction, but I will do it anyway. Um, Virgil, Alex, and Keith on a Monday, a chilly one at that. My friends, que pasa? How are you? Virgil, we'll start with you. Why don't you take a moment to introduce yourself to all the fine folks watching you on Real Talk with Keith Smith. Well, good morning, and thank you, Jerry, for the introduction, and Keith and Alex for having me here today um, at the show. Um, my name is Virgil Velasco. I'm with uh, Storyhouse Real Estate in Charlottesville. We're a local uh, boutique firm in, in the city, and um, I'm also Hispanic and very focused in the Hispanic community here in town. Fantastic. Alex Serpy, the show is yours, my friend. One of the co-stars of today, Imanana. Yep, I get uh, the privilege of hosting today, Imanana. You know, one, you mostly once a week. Sometimes I get filled in for it, which is nice to have family do that. I'm also the CEO of Emerging Financial Services, so we help people with financial planning, saving for retirement, financial advice. Here in Charlottesville, we're a bilingual firm, all, all either Cuban or half Cuban. So just like Virgil here. Yes, sir. You know, so, uh, and we just, we love what we do, just working with people, helping people who have small businesses or families to make sure they're on a good track for, for retirement. I love it. And the sun-kissed Keith Smith, fresh from St. Martin. Jerry's Cuban, so we have three. Yeah, three. We have three a Cubana lot of sunset. Power. We talked about that before. Me, mother is Cubana. And then me. Yeah. <laughs> Honorary Cuban. Uh, there we go. Honorary Cuban. Well, as we sip the, the wonderful <laughs> the Cuban, Cuban coffee. So, uh, you know, we're, we're once a month, we're trying to celebrate and, and focus on the Hispanic community and the Hispanic buyer and seller. And, and Virgil, um, you were a little modest. You didn't mention that you were also now, I think, currently the vice chair of, or the treasurer, I believe, of NARAP. So if you take a few minutes, explain a little bit what NARAP is and how it can help of buyers and sellers, and we'll kind of kick off from there, and then I want to tap yeah. this guy's brain about interest rates here. A little yeah, bit. absolutely. So NAREP is the National Association of Hispanic Real Estate Professionals. It's a national organization with a lot of chapters throughout the states, um, but we are missing one here in Central Virginia. So uh, me, alongside a group of, of, of great individuals, local individuals, uh, that decided to come together and see if we can open up a chapter here. And that is what we are currently working on. Um, and the idea behind NAREP is to help um, really empower the real estate Hispanic professional and, and grow the professional uh, around the area so in turn they can help their clients and their Hispanic clients. And, and through those means, um, kind of grow the Hispanic home ownership rate in, in the area. Um, and I'm very excited to be a part of something like that. 
because it's something that hasn't existed here. Um, and we know that Hispanics are growing throughout the country, and in Virginia is, is, uh, is also included there. And um, I think we're going to have you know, a good group together that's going to help make that happen. We've so got another Cubana watching the program. <laughs> or, uh, Katie Pearl's watching the show. Hey, Katie, how are you um, And she's got props Hello, for you. Yeah. She's got props for you. She said she had a, first she loves you, Virgil. Oh. And she said she had a very smooth transaction yes, we did. Um, with Virgil last year. And she yes, hopes to have another one. I'll ad-lib and say many more, not just another one with yeah, Virgil. Yeah. She says, Feliz Navidad, amigos. Yeah. Um, and she is absolutely singing your praises. I see five firms on the feed right now. If you want to give Alex, Keith, Virgil some props or ask them a question, put them in the feed, and I will relay it live on air. So yeah. Virgil, uh, just a quick get out there, you do not have to be Hispanic to be a board member because I am a board member of, of, of NARAP. So folks that are interested in it, that are in the real estate space, we, we potentially have some space. We have some, yeah. some interest. So if you're interested to help this community and help our market overall, reach out to Virgil. But one of the things that I wanted to uh, share real quickly is the financial and non-fiscal assets. This is the percentage of total wealth for Lat Latinos mm -hmm. versus versus the general population and why this conversation I think is so important around housing, right? So Latinos, according to NARAP um, for last year, 76.6% ownership. They owned homes. That was their portfolio. Nationwide, it was around 60. So you've got about a 16% jump over the rest of, of the nation and the rest of the buyers. So why is that, gentlemen? You guys jump in. Why, why is the Latino or the Hispanic market uh, buyer so driven towards ownership by 17% almost over the rest of the nation? Jumping You're saying back. locally? No, this is no, nationwide. Nationally. nationally. Okay. Yeah. okay. Well, my take on it, I think, comes from kind of an underlying value in the Hispanic population, just from personal experience. Mm -hmm. I think it, there's something innate in the, in the Hispanic that we want to be homeowners, not just for ourselves, but for our family. Mm -hmm. it, it, we see, Pat, like, not only is it a great wealth builder, and we see that, but we more, we more so see it as it's a roof for our, for our family and our mm -hmm. kids. And that is by far one of the most important things for our community. Um, and that is why it's such a big, a huge goal that all the Hispanics are really after. Um, and as time has passed, as you, we can clearly see, that rate continues to grow um, immensely. And it's because we have that drive to, to want a home for our family. I think that's where, one of the core reasons we, we see those numbers. Mm -hmm. yeah. What do you think, Alex? I'd agree with that. That's kind of my sentiment. I think as Latinos, we value family and being able to have family under one roof. I mean, we're more multi-generational than we're... Latinos, in terms of generations living in one house, resemble more the America of the 1940s, where you had 70% of the country was multi-generational sure. in the house. And that's, it's now reversed. In 2022, there was 14% of all the sales were multi-generational. And when NAR releases its report somewhere in... February and March, I think you're going to see that number being closer to 16 or 18 percent. Mm -hmm. The struggle here in this local market is, and, and we were texting back and forth, uh, Virgil, we don't have really good data, demographic data here. Now, mm -hmm. hopefully, 
we can get better with that, and yeah. maybe the folks that are listening from car can start focusing on that. But we really don't do good demographical data. We can do buy, sell, how many days mm -hmm. on market, mm -hmm. but buyer profile and seller profile, we don't seem to have a good data read on that. Yeah, and, and I agree with you. And I think if we're going to make strides and we're going to grow, we need to know, we need to have some sort of baseline as to where we are. And I think um, that's a great point. I think as, us, like as professionals, have to find a way to, through surveys or other means to, to gather as much information as we can to know where we stand and so we can track in the years to come how we're progressing. Mm -hmm. Because without the data, we're, it's like a ship without a compass. Like we don't know where, where we're going. Well, Jerry and I are all, everybody at this table loves data, so any opportunity to get more data is, is mm -hmm. a great thing. Joe Toronto giving the boys some props right here. Uh, six real estate firms watching the show, two title companies watching the show, and a couple of title uh, closing companies watching the program. Kevin Yancey says good morning to everybody. Good morning. Uh, he's watching on the program. A lot of folks on my LinkedIn page right now. Keith Smith, jump in. So one of the things that might help this, and I'm going to probably, I tend to get myself into trouble, and this is where I'm going to go right now. <laughs> um, but there's rumors out there that we might end up getting show in time in 2024 in the car footprint. We don't currently have that. And one of the reasons why I think showing time is going to be a great tool for us real estate professionals because they, they really take a deep dive into data that, that we can get. I mean, when, when we can, as real estate professionals, kind of have a conversation with a Hispanic buyer or seller and kind of give them accurate data that's related to them mm -hmm. and their marketplace, it puts us in a bad spot. So I'm, I'm hopeful that showing time will, will give us, it'll take a little time to run through the system and, yeah. and, and try to get a little data pull in there. But business ownership, this is what I really wanted to get to you, <laughs> right? Self-employed is five times more likely, right? Mm -hmm. They're, uh, this, the average uh, driver of wealth, this is nationwide, for the Latino Hispanic is about $174,900 is based mm -hmm. on NAR's number. Tell me about that, and are you seeing this in our local local market? Oh, absolutely. I think you can see it tremendously here in, here in Charlottesville. It's just, I think there is a drive. I, it, it's, I think, part of our culture, too. I think it's part of how Latinos come to this country, but also that drive to to start something of your own, and so, uh, sometimes it starts as bringing a little bit of where we where we come from to America. But it's also, I think, just we're very how do I want to put it like independent, drive oriented, family oriented. So you just you feel this thing that I want to be, I want to have my own business, I want to run it my way, I want to have the family involved, my friends involved. And, and that becomes a, a major driver of wealth for, for our community. And, and my wife is an immigrant from Austria, and there's a term that she uses, the immigrant edge, right? Yes. That the immigrant mm -hmm. has this edge. Brian Buffini. Brian Buffini, there you go. Mm -hmm. That goes ahead and, and kind of just does this. Not, not that we as those who were born here or not immigrants don't, don't have that drive. It just seems... Ex especially out mm -hmm. there in that. But if Ricardo's watching and... and yes, he just commented. He says, without data, it's like a ship without a compass. And he'd love this from Virgil. He just put <laughs> that comment in the feed. Ricardo grew Thanks, Ricardo. Yeah, I can see him yeah. saying that. Yeah. <laughs> I would say... What, on you the don't use GPS? <laughs> 
I would say on the immigrant edge, it's too. It's it's also remember starting a business is a risk taking sure. enterprise, sure. right? Because you take on a greater level of risk sure. than working for another company. And if you think about it, the immigrant experience is a risk taking experience. That's like exactly you, what maybe I was the risk is some all risks. Yes, yeah. exactly. I mean, you leave your yeah. homeland yeah. to go to another country exactly. is one of the greatest right. risks you could take in your right. life compared to that starting a business. Easy peasy. Is, is not, it fits yeah, right absolutely. in? And then marriage. Like, and then marriage. At least from real perspective. <laughs> no, Alex, that's exactly right. And that's exactly what I was thinking about. Like the immigrant, not just Hispanic, any immigrant, the, the fact that they immigrated, had, they had to take ownership of their own lives. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And they couldn't, they couldn't fit in a box. They couldn't follow certain, like they had, they, because something around, it wasn't working for them and for their family. So they had to make that incredible decision and take that huge risk to move. Um, so when they get here, and succeed at getting here and growing here, that's already like, that empowers you, mm-hmm. right? Because it's like, if I could do that, I'm not stopping now, yeah. right? We're gonna keep pushing forward. And we are fast learners and we're gonna, how can we find ways to make this work? Because mm-hmm. we're not scared. We're gonna keep taking risks because we saw the benefits of this huge risk that we did take and it proved very well for everybody, so mm-hmm. yeah. So how, how are we going to help this community, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we talked, uh, Jerry and I, what's today? It's Monday, right? Friday. Mm-hmm. We, uh, my days are a bit mixed up here at the <laughs> sure. moment. That's um, what happens when you leave an island, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I left an island? I'm not still there? Uh, so the, the, we talked on, on Friday uh, about, and thank you, Jerry, for, uh, for carrying me through the show. I wasn't quite there, but so thank you for, for everything you do for me. Um, the... <clears throat> With this interest rates dropping, right? We're all on this this thing, and I'm about ready to have a conversation this afternoon, a nationwide about about this conversation of interest rates. So they're dropping. Prices are probably going to go up. Mm-hmm. How are we going to help? What products are available to help this buyer who's kind of probably afraid to maybe go do a loan application, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason. I mean, how, how are we going to help this conversation? How are we going to get in front of this buyer pool, which I think is pretty large in our community, mm-hmm. and help them navigate that? And I'd love Ricardo to chime in on that. Um, well, I think that by educating the, the, the consumer, yeah. because we've seen, and this is, a, this is not a new conversation. For the last three years, I think we've been telling everybody it is a good time to buy. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, even when the rates started going up. It's still I mean, the last three years, values have appreciated somewhere between 30 and 50%, depending on where you're shopping. Right. I mean, think about that. That since, is bananas. Since then, 2020, our car footprint, we're up to 63%. Yeah. That's bananas. Is think it, about that. Yeah, absolutely. And then we had a, a pretty much a sales crisis this year, right? Sales went down by a crazy number. Inventory, not values. But values kept going up. Yeah, kept going up. With the rates as high as they went to. Right. Right? They went, at one point, I saw an 8%. As, as the as the medium, Touched. like a couple months ago, October, right? right? Yeah, the most unaffordable month in American history to purchase a house was October 2023. And the prices come down. The prices did not go down. The prices did not come. Down. Yeah. So, so that's that, the point he's making. So, so the, the point, point is, is okay. Got that? That's the reality out right. there. That's what the what the uh, media is saying. But I think he's about to make a poignant point here. And yeah, I, yeah. And, I and this is the it. education yeah. point you have to tell your your buyer. Yeah. Like, if prices didn't go down when sales went down and interest rates went up they are definitely not going to go down 
when interest rates are going to about to, to drop a couple points. And I'll throw something else in their mix. Population is going to increase between five and 8,000 people over the next three years. And the people coming in the next three years, um, five to 8,000 additional people, large majority are six-figure jobs. Mm -hmm. They're tied to a data science school, a biotech school, the Northrop Grumman in Waynesboro, average salary 94K yep. for that Northrop Grumman that's coming in Waynesboro. They're not living in Waynesboro. They're going to be living in Almaro County, commuting over there, and $11 billion invested by Amazon. We have five to 8,000 people coming with six-figure jobs and throttled inventory, and rates going to drop two points. It's going to be a buyer's <coughs> bonanza. Yeah. So, like, if you're a buyer and you're in front of a buyer right now, I think our job is to educate that buyer and let them know you need to get in as soon as you can if you have the means to do so. And I, I see it as, like, get on the escalator. Get on the escalator and you'll figure it out. But you have to get in if you can because the longer you wait, the much harder it's going to be. You're going to need – and I don't think salaries are going up as fast as prices are going up. Definitely not. So you, it, the sooner you can get in there, the better it's going to be for you and your family if you have the means to do so. If you don't have the means to do so, it's, we're it's a different conversation, right? It's getting you to, to a point where you can afford a home. But if you have the means and you're choosing to rent, you're making a mistake because – you're going to be losing money in the, you know, because of how much prices are going to go up. You're not going to be able to afford a house a year from now that you could afford today. It's just, and we've seen it for the last three years. It's the same conversation. Q3 2023 versus Q3 2022 in Almaro County and 11% value appreciation. Yeah. Just year over year, quarter over quarter. Yeah. And that's when the interest rates went up. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> what you have to, I think the thing to keep in mind is the last time we saw interest rates at these levels, they were coming down, this was the 80s, they were coming down from 15. Mm -hmm. We're looking at interest rates at, what, seven, seven between seven and eight now, coming Oh, depending up. on where you shop, high depending sixes. you shop, high sixes. Yeah. <clears throat> coming up from historic lows. Yeah. So I was talking about this with Xavier recently, 80% of homeowners have an interest rate that they're currently paying, a mortgage rate they're currently paying that is 4% or less. They are not, if you are a seller, even if you had some kind of gain in your home, are you going to put your home on the market to then have to buy another one at six and something right. or seven when you're sitting? I mean, we have clients and yeah. people that we know that are sitting on two and three quarters, three. Right. You have to calculate that. So there's I think only that mindset's so much. changing, though. I think it, that mindset's changing. It may, but there's only so much supply that can go yeah. on the market when that's the conundrum because you're not looking at what you were looking at in the yeah. 80s when people with yeah, – of course, if you had 15, right. you, you're happy to sell your home and then go buy home sure. and pay six. Right. Right. If you're at – Two and three quarters. Right. It's a different calculation. And can I now? I, I have been thinking about this recently, and the reason there's even been less inventory this past couple of months is that rate lock thing that's happened. Golden handcuffs, right? Because yeah. uh, nobody wants to lose that rate unless they absolutely have to, mm -hmm. right? Um, and even and, when they have to, they can't. That's the bigger mm, conversation. Right. Now, my my question um, is like, now that the rates are going to go down, I think there's going to be more buyers come to the table. I don't know if there's necessarily going to be a ton of sellers that's going to be still motivating them up. I don't know if the rates are going to drop enough for, to tell a seller, hey, this is, this is good for me to, 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 to have the same boom we had a couple mm -hmm. springs ago. You know, I think we're going to have more buyers because everybody's going to want to buy, but I don't know if the inventory is going to be there either just because <clears throat> the rate drop has to go a little bit. Zillow said the rate drop had to be in the 5-5 five five mm -hmm. range to inspire or motivate buyers to get off their sub-4% interest rate. 
It's, Do you think that's enough? I, no. I mean, if you're looking at a delta of two points and you're sitting on hundreds of thousands of dollars of equity, mm-hmm. like literally people in this community are sitting on hundreds of thousands of dollars of equity with their house yeah. and a 2% delta in rate to say, oh, can we get a bigger house or in a better location or a less commute or a better backyard or something different than our current home? Hundreds of thousands of dollars of equity can motivate some people. Is it going to happen at the same clip that we saw during the pandemic or COVID? No. Mm-hmm. And to Virgil's point, that's going to still make prices escalate. Right. And because we're going to have more buyers than sellers, the scales of justice are going to be tipped toward the buyer's mm-hmm. side. So we will have bidding wars again, yeah. inspection uh, contingencies removed or completely right. evaporated or saying we don't need an inspection, yeah. appraisal gap coverage. I think Q1, Q2, and Q3 of 2024 are going to be a bonanza yeah in certain markets and Mm. jerry and i got into this conversation on friday Um, i actually took a look at nelson county so the unicorn years is 2021 right during 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 covid but nelson and buckingham have always been traditionally soft in this market so that's the point i'm making so the point i'm trying to make is we're going to the markets that have been traditionally soft will be soft Mm -hmm. the markets that are not traditionally soft are going to be nuts to Jerry's point. Mm-hmm. So the thing in the Alvaro U- County and Charlottesville City are going to be nuts. Yeah. yeah. Nuts. And particularly after tonight. So the <clears throat> the the reality the reality and of he's it, referencing city council and the draft zoning ordinance that's coming to vote tonight. So thank you. So the, the reality of it is that you're hundred percent right. The pool of buyers is going to overflow. And I don't think it's going to go to 5.5. I think you're already seeing it now. Mm-hmm. I think you're already seeing this stabilization, this reduction, people that can bring more cash to the table, mm-hmm. right, or buy rates down or, or buy points. They're going to come in. The sellers in these, in these hot markets are not going to do it. This is why inventory supply and demand, this is why inventory is so important. And I've said on the show, yeah. and I love you guys to, to agree or disagree with me, we're in a 10-year run of inventory like this. We are not going to see a huge inventory change in the prime buying and selling areas. Some of these outside areas might. Uh, if you take a look at the chart that I did today for, for, for Nelson, you can, it's pretty evident that we're right back to 2016 yeah. 16 numbers and stuff like that. Any thoughts, gentlemen? Just, it's also, we have to remember with supply and demand, it's, it's not the relative, it's the absolute. In other words, if you go from four buyers for every one home to two buyers for every one home, there is still no downward pressure on prices, right? Mm-hmm. If, if there is anything more than one buyer per one home, that is upward pressure on prices. So a movement... Yeah, even even if, one buyer on a home can create upward and pressure on prices because it only takes one in this game to sell. <clears throat> even one, one buyer, buyer can do it. You may even need less. You don't even need two. So in other words, it's, it's the absolute that matters here. So even if there's a relative change in the ratio of buyers to sellers, as long as we're seeing more prospective buyers than there are homes available for them to buy in, in the key markets... There cannot be downward pressure. There has to be an upward pressure on them. So, Virgil, are you seeing with your buyer clients the acceptance of where rates are, that this is the reality of it and that we're yes. not going back? Are you seeing the same on the seller side? Uh, I can't speak on so much on the seller side because I, I am primarily a buyer's agent at Storyhouse. Um, but on the buyer side, it... They've, they've definitely accepted it. They accepted it when it was at eight. It's like, this, this is what it is. Because they like, had the cash. 
No, because they need a place to live. They need they want a home. Yeah, yeah they need I, a place I, to I, live. I, so I'm glad you brought that up. United Van Lines just released its import and outport. So even though NAR gives us data on why people come and go and all that stuff, I like using the van line, the moving companies, because it's, it's real real data. So it's very interesting. Um, we had 52% inbound in 2023. This is according to United. So 52% people came into the state. This is statewide. 47.8 went out. So we had more people come into Jerry's Point. We had more people come in. The number one reasons for moving, number one, coming inbound at 21% is me, retirement. Oh. 21%. Health, 6%. Family reasons is the largest at 39%, lifestyle 25%, job 18%, and cost of living is, is 11, 11%. Outbound, the, it was the same, same numbers, but a little bit lower. Uh, higher on retirement, 24% was leaving. Inbound was 35%, which is a little bit less. But people are coming here to retire, to Jerry's point. They're coming here not so much for their health. I think they're going to Florida for that. Uh, family, lifestyle, jobs about 18, 18%. And these are real live people moving from point A to point B. Um, Woody Fincham has this comment. He's an appraiser. We got a bit of stimulus with the last two weeks of rate drops. I think we're going to see a spike in transactions before 5.5%. He is very optimistic on what's happening in 2024. Um, we have Joe. You're going to have to help me with his last name, Virgil. Joe, is it Tirana? Tirana, yeah. Tirana watching the program. He says, would you say it's fair to say even with rates changing the way they are, it comes back to buyer salaries and their buying power still not being able to improve all that much? That's the point Alex made, that um, salaries are not keeping up with uh, valuation increases. Joe, I'll throw this and then throw it to the panel. A third of buyers roughly in Admiral County and Charlottesville are paying all cash. Yeah. And the folks that are moving to this area, and that will move five to 8000 in the next few years, Charlottesville and Almore in particular, are coming in after selling uh, much more expensive real estate outside the region. So they're literally bringing in bags of cash with them, many of them working remote in, in bigger market jobs where they can work through an internet service provider in their house or their basement hybrid or, or, or remote work, Bloomberg said Charlottesville region was top 20 nationally for the population of remote and hybrid workers. Top 20 nationally, the Charlottesville metro area. Mm -hmm. That explains a lot. So, Joe, while the current residents may not have the salaries that are keeping up with valuation increases, it's out-of-market buyers that are driving the market to a certain point. Your, your uh, take on that, Virgil? I mean, yeah. For sure, we have an, an enormous amount of people that are coming from different parts of the U.S. buying cash because they're coming from areas where they have way more equity than that you know that they can use that to, to buy here. And Joe makes a, an incredible point, and it's one of the challenges for your local uh, resident, the person that was born and raised here, the person that was born and raised in Albemarle. Um, they are. To, for them to get a home, they are competing with those incoming, um, incoming residents. And it's going to get harder in 2024. I think the competition is going to go up. I think we've gone through a very nice period for buyers these last couple of months where you can have home inspections. You can probably negotiate seller credits. Um, I think that's going to slow down immensely um, coming into the spring of 2024. 100%. That's assuming the sellers decide to sell. Yeah, and that's assuming the sellers does not 
decide to turn their property into investment property mm-hmm. and rent it and capitalize on their equity they have in there through a line of credit or a home equity loan or whatever and turn around and buy something, something else, else. As, as a down payment depending on what the delta is. So back taking a deeper dive into the United to Jerry's point. Um, so the income is uh, 69% of the people that moved in make over 100 grand. Wait till you see what happens in 2024. And then wait till you see what happens in 2025. I'm I'm speaking to the folks that are bringing the schools to market. And they're straight up saying the people that are coming to this area from these two new UVA schools are not even scratching six figures. They're deep six figures. So 100% right. 150,000 and up out of that 69, 42% of that was... So almost half of the people... Making over a hundred thousand, or actually making over one hundred fifty, wow. actually making over a hundred fifty. And I would say one hundred fifty in the next twenty-four months is going to be light with the people that are moving to this area. Light. But here's an here's an age stat according to United. Um, Fifty-five and over is twenty percent. Sixty-five and over is thirty-four percent. So I didn't do the math on that, but it's somewhere close to seventy percent. On it, I'll round it up a little bit. Or above 55. Or my age and up. Which you'll, which That's you'll, the other challenge because they're coming, that age group is coming. If they're downsizing, they're coming with equity. Well, we're to, like, like I said, with the boatload of cash. Yeah. If you are a millennial group or Gen, go, Z. Or Gen Z going in, you, are, you would traditionally have relied on mortgage because you're not, not coming with the but cash. But Virgil, nobody's building quote unquote starter homes anymore because you can't. You physically can't do it. The regulatory reasons won't let you. The rezoning is too land. Land is too expensive. Construction is, 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 too, is too expensive. Back to the conversation of helping the Hispanic buyer, you know, they are generally in the workforce, mm-hmm. right? Um, they're, they're, I think they're, if you take a look at the, what they're making, I think they're doing great mm-hmm. national-wise. I, I think you might have a stat on that uh, <clears throat> on, on there somewhere on that. But they're doing not quite the 123 uh, 123,000 AMI, but they're roughly darn, darn close to it. Yep. Where in God's holy name are they going to buy, Virgil? Or how are we going to help these folks? I think... That keeps me up at night. If, if you have some sort of influence on the Hispanic population, I feel like the message has to be that the young population has to focus on education. Because although a degree is not what it was, you know, 50 years ago... Um, I think it's 79%. Your medium income is 79% higher as a Hispanic with a degree than without one. Mm-hmm. So just off the start, I think educating the younger population to go to college, get an education, um, will help them get an income that will help them purchase a house in the future. Well, um, I, I will tell you, my little brother is, and I've said this a couple of hundred times, is a trim carpenter in Richmond, mm-hmm. and I call him doctor because he makes more money than... Yeah, my son-in-law, the doctor. It's it's an education. I would say we're reaching a point to Virgil's point about the degree not being the same. We're reaching a point where the type of degree matters. In other words, what you specialize in, because there are going to be certain degrees in college that you you're going to be better off with a trade school degree. But isn't that always the case, though? I think there was a point Mm -hmm. where the degree was being used by employers. A a a bachelor's degree was being used by employers as a proxy. Mm-hmm. For how employable yeah. you are. Well, that's what I think we are. I think we are beginning to see a shift where that. I think it happened first. I would say t- ten years ago, 
when I graduated college, we were already beginning to see a shift where um, economics professors and others were telling me at that time that the MBA, which is yeah. uh, you know one of you basically a master's level, was no longer being used as a proxy. In other words, many firms were saying, "I actually don't want." an MBA because I intend to train you in how I see business. I don't want you mm. to come in with preconceived notion. Yeah. I think it's only a matter of time before that trickles down to the next level in which ABA doesn't matter so much as what exactly But that, that do whole you corporate know. and government and UVA mentality has, has to change. You know, I, I'm a Marine and, uh, you know, people come out of the service highly trained, mm-hmm. but they don't have degrees. Right. Right. Or in most cases, they don't. Right. So they're not offered these great opportunities because, oh, hold the time out. In order to move forward, you've got to check this box. I, I, we literally just hired an executive director for the Piedmont Community Land Trust. And that's the route that everybody went down. You must have a degree. And I was chairing this. I said, no, no, no. Let's take a look at what this person has done, it's done. Yeah. and what they're capable of doing. It doesn't matter if they've got an MBA or one advantage for Latinos, obviously, because we're so heavily self-employed. Yeah. Right. We mm-hmm. that's where what you can do becomes much more significant. You're not in other words, you're not looking for a BA because yeah. you are the employer. So the question is do I have the trades or the in, the education necessary yeah. to do that which I intend to do as my business? Right. Cuz that's where a lot of the you know the, that's where a lot of Latino wealth is currently concentrated. And to circle back on helping the population, I think I think when you, our role where we are is we need to help the professional first. We, there's no way us as individuals can make a huge impact on the Hispanic population of Central Virginia. I think it's our role to come together as professionals, and that's what I think what NARA is it's meant for, is to bring all these Hispanic professionals together um, and, find, and to educate them. And so everybody's on the same page on how to help their Hispanics in their local markets as much as possible. But we don't have enough time. Virgil. I know, mm-hmm. I know this is a great thing, yeah. and I'm, I'm all for it. I'm on the board, but I'm, I'm telling you this rate that's dropped down that nobody expected to yeah. happen is happening is going to put such a pressure yeah. in these hot markets. Um, you know, will it be the insanity of 2021? 20, mm-hmm. You know, I think certain micro markets will be, certain markets will not be. But what can we do today, right? Get in front of, uh, we were having a conversation. I I think you guys should suggest the uh, multifamily route where it's multiple generations living under one roof to to, uh, uptick purchasing power. Because if it's one generation that's employed in this market at potentially a, um, you know, blue collar or frontline worker job, it's going to be very little chance to compete. I mean, the HUD area, HUD median income is 123300 per household. And I can assure you, when that HUD number is released um, and the next go-around, it's going to be even higher than that. And the year after that's going to be even higher. And we're talking the median here, 123300 That's the middle. That is the middle of what the income is per household in this area. Um, so I would suggest if you want some life, some house hacks... Purchasing power through multifamily under one roof, basically pulling in income to try to get uh, to buy a house. Your brother Nicholas says asked the question about um, investors um, that are. Let me let me read it verbatim here. He says he saw a professional investor claim that within the next five years prices will come down 
because amateur real estate investors will be unloading their inventory to get by, and that will lower prices. Thoughts, gents? And I immediately responded, no way, Jose. This is going to have no impact. In, in our this, market. In, yeah, in our market. I saw that article, too. In our it. market. That's yeah. the nationwide, and, it's a nationwide. And, and our market is yeah. two different things. <clears throat> yeah, so um, we, we, Jerry and I have been talking about this for a while. You know, this is not a silver, but sil- a silver bullet solution. There's a silver buckshot. There's all these little silver pellets that are going to go in and do this. There will be some mom-and-pop um, investors that maybe own one or two or three uh, rentals that will probably put their units on the market capitalize on their uh, revenue, don't want to put a new roof on it, whatever it is, they'll go do this. But when they talk about that article, they're talking about markets like Phoenix, where Black BlackRock and all these uh, publicly traded companies have bought a gazillion single-family detached homes. If you take a deeper dive into that article on it, that's exactly what they're, they're predicting. And he's spot on. That's right. They're going to start dumping that into the market, but it's going to be in those markets not this market. Mm-hmm. Um, questions coming in. Let's go to Woody Fincham here, um, who's asking the man. My phone is blowing up right now. Um, viewers and listeners, um, offer perspective. I'll relay it live on air. Woody says supply and demand. Once again, we flooded the market with middle management related degrees, and the market stagnated. There's lots of MBAs with jobs not related to what they have a degree in. Um, Woody Fincham, thank you for that perspective here. Let's go to Grayson, who's watching right up the street. He says, when the rates hit. Um, to low sixes or in the fives, our family would consider selling our house because, as the panel has said, we have uh, earned so much value with our house that we will sacrifice rates to capitalize on the revenue that we have um, or the net proceeds when we sell. Del Cabrera watching the program. She says, I'm so proud of Virgil Velasco right now. Um, Del. Del. Thank you for watching the program. We, we appreciate you. Uh, your colleague, Brittany, uh, watching the show, one of Orange County's finest. I watched Brittany Moore stand out on the hardwood under uh, Coach Brunel. Um, she was a Jefferson District force on the basketball court. Um, this question has come in uh, for the panel. When the rates continue to drop as they're expected to do so and the buyers are there but the inventory is not going to be there, does Keith or the panel think a double-digit appreciation for homes in this market again? I think so. I absolutely love our viewers and listeners because that's the exact question I was going to ask Virgil. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it, it's going up in double every, digits. Every marketplace in our area. I don't know of every marketplace. I don't think I, every marketplace. No, I don't think every marketplace. Yeah, but I think yeah. Charlottesville and Albemarle, I, I think, for sure. I, just because it happened when the rates went up. So I feel like with the rates coming <clears> down, it's, it's definitely going to happen. It's good to hear that the, you know, there's somebody already thinking, okay, the rates come down to the fives. That's we'll do it. it. My it, family will do it. It's a consideration. I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's a great sign because I feel like we need inventory. We need people to sell. And I, but, it's know, a ba- we, but, it, but it's a balance, Virgil. It's not yeah. going to help inventory, right? I mean, I, my assumption is we're going to stay in the market, yeah. right? And, and that they're going to just move laterally somewhere within the car footprint or right. something along those lines. They're not moving. They're not this outbound seller right so right. we're balancing right one's coming on one's coming off yeah or or one's coming on and 30 buyers the are, balance are coming is, in. is better than just what, incoming that, well the, just the pressure of incoming but but no movement within i mean it, it's just not going to get there again this is christmas week right yeah. so you know it's the, the people are not putting their houses on the market but the last right. seven days only 29 mm-hmm. came on the week before 25 the week before that mm-hmm. 25 right it's been in the 20s in the mm-hmm. low 30s week over week of new yeah. homes coming on the market, 
you know, that number needs to be, you know, three times, four times that yeah. just to balance yeah. out. And do you I, think we'll start seeing those numbers go up as early as January? Or do you yeah, think I think so. I think you're going to see it. I think you're going to see Christmas. Everybody's going to be done with the holidays. Everybody's going to kiss each other on the cheek, and everybody's going to go, let's go buy a house. And I think, I think the buyer pool is going to flow over. I just, I just not 100% sure you're going to get the influx of sellers. I agree. It's just going to be a lopsided. Yeah. I, think, I, actually I, think, I think there's going to be more sellers. I just don't think it's going to be enough to offset. Well, I think it's going to be more lopsided in certain markets area than it was in 20 and 2021. We're going to have more volume of units sold in 2024 versus 2023. Yeah, but that, Hopefully. but that, yeah. but but I'm that's low. I know. But, I, but the next one's better. But that it's bar. not <laughs> going to compare to peak COVID. But no. peak COVID yeah. was an anomaly and shouldn't mm-hmm. be a barometer of anything. So what we talked up. Jerry and I talked about this this time last year that I predicted twenty twenty three to look more like fifteen and sixteen in volume, and we're about sixteen, we're roughly mm-hmm. two thousand and sixteen in the volume of units of sales. We should be comparing twenty twenty four to like twenty nineteen, twenty nineteen, or twenty eighteen. That's exactly. We right. should forget twenty twenty, twenty twenty one, and yeah. I mean you the first half of twenty twenty maybe we considered, but even same. that had a COVID and it demoralized the spirit because we thought the world was coming to an end and in the first same, part of twenty twenty. And the same reason we need to forget two thousand. 2009 and 2010 because that's not going to happen right. again. But I don't think inventories were where it was in 2019. Uh, I, I, I'm actually working on a report for Wednesday, so watch out and, yeah. and, and take a look at it. But it, it, it is below 2019. Yeah. It is below 2019. Um, we'll highlight, uh, man, you got a number of mortgage brokers watching the program. Brokers, let us know when you're, where you think rates are going to go. Michael Buchensky said on the program he thinks it's going to drop to 5.5. Mm-hmm. in 2024. That's First Heritage Mortgage's finest. 5-5 five, five in 2024. How about this one that Keith kind of alluded to? What do you gentlemen think is going to be the impact? And City Council could vote on this tonight. If they vote on this tonight and approve it, I'm going to lose <clears> my <throat> bet to Keith Smith. I think it will be the first bet I lose to Keith where I buy a Ever. bottle of bourbon. So you think it will be that delayed? Uh, I, I thought it was going to happen in 2024. Um, this is literally the last meeting of the year. Um, do you want to talk draft zoning ordinance and upzoning and if it's going to have any kind of impact on this area and what you think that impact is going to be? Yeah, I mean, from the, from the Hispanic side of things, that zoning is one of the biggest reasons it's hard to find a house. Um, it, I, I, it was listed in the report as the top, top four. So, so any changing in zoning um, could be a positive thing for housing, if it's done correctly, of course. Um, but... I feel like a lot of times it's just nothing really changes, which is the biggest problem we have. Can I ask a question for you both? Any possibility, do you foresee the change in zoning potentially sending a certain group of people from Charlottesville out into Albemarle? Definitely. In in other words, if you're currently in single family and you get rezoned, do you then sprint Sprint to HOA neighborhood? Yes, I would agree. thousand percent. No, Absolutely. I don't, I don't think thousands, but... but no, a thousand percent that will okay, have an impact. I'm couple, sorry. Couple My hearing that. age didn't pick that up. And if you couple that with the rates going into six or fives, they'll definitely be motivating enough to, to, to sell and just stay within the footprint, just not in Charlottesville. The urban ring, 100%. Totally agree with that yeah. comment. They, they will move to Jerry's point, the HOA. H, I've ran a numbers a couple of months ago. Uh, HOA communities on average sell about 18% faster 
than non-HOA communities, that number will increase. And at a higher price point. At a higher price point, and it is also at a higher price point on that because there's stability. We know where it's going to go. There's there's downsides, mm-hmm. right? HOAs are pretty tricky things, um, and, you know, you could be subject to a board that does a um, – a special assessment because they need something, but there's more stability historically on, on that. To answer your question, Virgil, um, I went back and look at some spreadsheets I've done. October, November of 2023, so this is the full car footprint to include both sides of the mountain, Buckingham County, new construction, single, everything. Just This is the large um, uh, grouping of stuff. October and November, there were 776 units sold. In October and November of 15, there were 782. In 2019, that was the year you asked about, there was 967. The, 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 the winner is 2020. October, November, there was 1,207. Mm-hmm. So, so we're, we're, if you look at the arc on this thing, we're going down, mm-hmm. but I think you're going to start seeing it going okay. up. But it's going to be more like, to Jerry's point, I think we're going to see, if I was to make a bet for 20, 2024, I think closer to 18, then it's going to be closer to 16. I don't think we're going to get close to 19 numbers. Mm-hmm. I, I, mean, I will throw this to you guys. Um, hot topic. Touchy topic. Um, I think we're going to see realtors, and that profession was already trending older. Mm -hmm. What's the average age of real estate agents? Agent like me. No, what is it? What is it? 57. 57. The average age was 57. In car footprint. In the car car footprint. So we saw a inventory, amount of inventory for 2023. What level was that at over the last decades? Units sold. Oh, I'd have to look that up, the total. Rough rough estimate. It was low, very low, right? You're talking about this year versus in the past. 2023 in the past. Very low. Third down. I know this number versus 2020, we're 62, 63, 67. I'd have to pull the slide up. But we're in the mid-60s below in volume than we were at the peak of 2020. Yeah. So this is what I – I think the the herd is going to be cold, if you may. There's going to be less agents. Yeah. While there will be um, inventory shortages still, you're going to have perhaps less competition in the field because the older portion of the real estate population is going to choose to retire mm-hmm. because they don't want to renew the license and they see the headwinds coming. They realize that they're not going to be able to compete. They're going to retire, which is going to create an additional generation or a new influx or the current uh, flux is going to gain more market share um, of being able to do business. So I think you're in a fantastic position, (laughs) Virgil, right there. Yeah. I mean, hopefully, you know, we do gain some market share. Um, You're you're meaning more agents? I think the current a- agents are going to gain a little bit more market share. I know that the agents right now, I, I'm like the we're not renewing our licenses just yet. I feel like the agents that have came in for the last two three years are not going to be renewing their licenses probably to 2025. So I think so even through this period, I think unless from the retirement side. The, the, the newer agents, I don't think, are going to be going anywhere. Something that just happened last week, I think the whole lead stuff with the FCC. Um, it's interesting. May, you brought that up. May, may shift things a little bit because now buying leads, the whole thing about how people are buying leads may, may start to change. So business plans are going to have to change a little bit. Um, there's more challenges with that as well. But I think that the, the agents that got into the business more recently 
are probably going to stick around through 2024. They have a window because they have a window. They're not mm-hmm. renewing their. Uh, I think he's got something to say on that. Yeah. Here he goes. Get ready. Yeah. No. no. Um, we're we're already down substantially. Mm-hmm. I think by the by the time of the mid of mid year next year, you're going to see 30, 40, 50 percent re- reduction mm-hmm. in agents, and it's not the license that's the expense. That's easy. Mm-hmm. That's a couple hundred bucks a year, right? Mm-hmm. To renew your license. It's go ahead, Jerry. No, you could say it. it. It's it's the it's the fees, the fees. that we pay, yes. the MLS fees, all that kind of great stuff. So we're we talked about this, and, and this is a side topic sure. uh, before we are with Jerry and I. You know, I, I, a couple of months ago, I called it. I will continue to call it that we're in a we're in. A, if you're in this business, you're in the middle of an O shift, right? And if you're not in the moment right now of working on your education and working on your skills, mm-hmm. your particularly communication skills. I'm glad you brought that up. People that are buying leads, watch that to go away. The FCC is going to put its thumb on the sale scale, and that, that if you're in that market, it is going to be very difficult mm-hmm. to do that. So you're going to have to be good at what we're all good at, is we're building relationships one-on-one, face-to-face, through a camera, however you want to do it. But if you're counting on leads coming in, and you and I had a conversation about mm-hmm. this a couple of months ago that yeah. I said, watch out, that's what's coming. And sure as heck, that's, what, that's what's coming down the pike. Mm-hmm. Give them the stat you said about the 7% of real estate agents. Look, stop reading my notes. 7%. Seven, take a look one day at the stats thing. 7% of the car footprint makes over six figures. If you do the math. 93% does not. And remember, the HUD uh, median income is 123.3. And if I did 123.3, 123, I, I bet you that number's way, way, way lower. Oh, mm-hmm. definitely, definitely. Give them the other stat. It's 15% make around 50 grand mm-hmm. and up. So that means 85% make less than 50. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, Eight, now think it, about that. And, ca- and, ca- and to put a little bit of a caveat on that, it depends on how you do the math, right? Sure. You know, it depends on what your commission splits are or your egg splits are. Depends on what you're what you're charging for your egg splits, right? All these and your expenses and so forth and so on. But if you operate. Um, you know, under the normal normal guidelines that are out there, it's about seven percent. So the point is, the, the point of this is, maybe, those people will do great. Maybe the herd should have been called. Well, it's already, that's it, the point. Well, the point is, is the market kind of did it right. So, so if you go ahead and pull all your statistics on mm-hmm. on Paragon, you'll see, like, just take a look at three sales and less. Mm-hmm. It's a huge percentage mm-hmm. of the number of 1,200 agents. I'm not saying they're good. I'm not saying it's bad. Right. I'm not saying they're not excellent or great agents. I'm, yeah. I'm sure that they are. Right. But this is just a numbers fact. And the people that are on the top of that 7% or 10% or whatever it is, those are the folks that are going to adjust, mm-hmm. adapt, and overcome, get their education nailed down. If you're in the real estate space right now, and if, since the end of the, the beginning of the, this quarter – and going to the next one, if you're not working on your sales skills and your communication skills, you better be doing that yeah. because you're going to need it because buyers are way smarter than, than what – and you know that you're a buyer's agent. They're yeah. super smart. Absolutely. Anywhere you want to go on that, Virgil? Sorry, got worked up. Coffee. No, no. no. I love your point. In. No, you, you make absolutely great points. I feel like, yeah, the – it's just – we had the, the, the hardest year in sales this year. Um, I feel like it's, it's going to get harder, yeah, but sales are going to go up next year. It's going to help a little bit. Um, what will yeah. happen is, is it'll, and, and I will, I'm going to get myself again into trouble on this. Sure. The people that maybe were thinking about getting out won't get out. 
to be honest with you, I kind of wish the interest rate stayed a little higher, mm-hmm. to be honest with you, yeah. uh, to kind of help get, you know, the, the business a little bit more settled on it. Mean, just think about it, right. Virgil. Right. There's, I don't know, last quarter there were 776 sales. We can dive into that and find out how many came from Bright, how many came from Northern Virginia, mm-hmm. how many came from our local markets. The pressure on us. Uh, is pretty high. Yeah. Do you want to talk about uh, Bright and what's on the horizon with Bright? On uh, the program, Keith Smith? Yeah, probably not since I'm doing an interview with them today. So, okay. So I that's probably, a topic for a different day? I, I, I need to stay away, with that, stay away from that and before I get... But I can say that uh, we're fine-tuning uh, Dr. Lisa Sterevin from coming, coming on the show, who's the Bright's chief economist, and uh, her and I are actually on the same panel this afternoon. So. Not a big-time guest. Logan yeah. wells Claylo, welcome to the broadcast. Thank you kindly for joining us. Viewers and listeners, if you have comments, let us know in the feed. We'll relay them live on air. Um, you, my friend... Uh, Virgil and Alex, jump in anytime you want. Do you think the uh, DZO, the draft zoning ordinance, will have any impact on affordability? The up zoning? I think it depends on what the final, mm-hmm. what the final one looks like. The the possible addition of that provision, the the thirty ninety nine year provision, puts a bit of a damper on yeah. that. If you ask me, I think the ability it, impact, it, it impacts quite a few neighborhoods. If you watch the, the discussion about it, it impacts a fight of your neighbors. What, what? I mean, if you're if it's, if Charlottesville, the idea is to get Charlottesville denser, right? Get get more more units in Charlottesville. I think it may bring a little prices down, but I mean, it's it's really hard to tell at this point. <laughs> what do you think? Keith? The key aspect of one of the key aspects of affordability is wealth generation Mm -hmm. so if you lock people if you're telling people congratulations you have an affordable house but you can't sell well if you if you take a if you take a look at the the NARAP report right in the Mm -hmm. hispanic community is is buying right because this is their biggest wealth generating look um this is i've I've repeat myself a couple of hundred times on this this is a bell curve Mm -hmm. right my suspicion if we want to up our bet a little bit it'll probably be a 4-1 vote Tonight, four four one against. I, I, I wouldn't He's be saying Lloyd's going to be uh, opposed. I, I think Lloyd. He's showing in the indications he will be. Yeah, I, I think there's certain parts of of the DZO, the, the the zoning rewrite, for lack of a better term, that I don't think he can support. Don't know that firsthand, but it's just watching the body language and listening to the to the conversation. It will because I'm part of national cohorts that look at this around the country. Mm-hmm. It will spike. Values will spike, right? But the reality of it is, it gets approved tonight, and I win my beer or whatever we bet. A bottle of bottle of booze. Bottle of booze on that end of it, and then it's going to sit for a while. It's going to get not necessarily shelved, but the process to go from zoning to actually doing the site plan end of it is delta. It's just huge uh, delta between the two. How staff is going to manage it? Is there going to be enough staff? Uh, are they going to be able to milk the, beat the building codes? You know, people are going to start tearing into it. There'll be lawsuits. I'm confident of it. Right? That's going to slow Do it down. You think like that that delta time? You think we're going to These be in a completely years. different years. different real estate market than we are today? These are years out. I don't think we're going to. It's going to. I have, years. It's going to have very little influence. Years. Very little influence. I think the the fastest influence you'll see will be with the basement apartment. The basement apartment being more of a rental opportunity for a homeowner. Like the cost of an ADU, we went through this with one of our clients. Looking at $300,000 yes. to build a small home in your backyard. 
It's more and someone taking 300K on a, on a HELOC, a home equity line of credit, their ROI on that 300,000 with their HELOC would be like two and a half decades. So I, look, I looked at this at Pacific Northwest because I'm part of a, a University of, of Washington mm -hmm. uh, a national cohort on this. What will happen is you'll get your garage conversions first. Mm -hmm. Granny apartments. Right. They'll, yeah. they'll, they'll, that's the low-hanging fruit. To Jerry's point, there'll be basements. That will not be as big as numbers everybody thinks because building codes are going to kick in and most of these basements you can't make it work mm -hmm. on it. So that'll be the first thing. And then the rest of it is going to sit for a while. Right, um, and it's just gonna—it's just gonna take some time. I'm a proponent of it. I want this to go past. I think missing middle and housing in, uh, and and more housing for all is is a great thing. I'm supported 110 percent. But I also want to set realistic expectations. If you think t tomorrow there's going to be 50,000 more houses and permits in here, that is not going to happen. This is going to take. That's why I used a 10-year model. This is going to take 10 years from tomorrow. And by the way, that thing will get changed about two dozen times between now. Yeah, it's assuming that 10 years from now it also resembles the version in well, which it was passed tomorrow. What if this pendulum goes the other way and, and we maybe go to a, buy, a true traditional buyer's market, mm. right? Right? That, that, that's a totally different picture. That's a whole different picture. Denny Rodriguez giving him some props, uh, Virgil. Maria is at Calderano. Carreno, yeah. Watching the program. Hello, Maria. Thank Thanks, you. guys. Thank you kindly for, for watching. Virgil's a popular man over here. He's got a lot of uh, followers and friends on the talk I, show. I couldn't get out of Guajiro studying uh, these tortaditos without them singing Virgil's praises. So. Oh, man. I appreciate everybody. Um, I, I've been blessed with, with great friendships, um, and I'm very thankful for that. How are you uh, positioning your business, Virgil, for success in 2024? Education. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like it's more important than ever. To, to, to be as educated as possible. I mean, we can't know everything, um, but we have to at least try to, to stay informed because our buyers need information to make sound decisions, um, especially when we're going to see way more competition coming our way. Um, so staying educated is, is kind of top priority um, to, to educate our buyers in return. And with the roles that we're taking as part of larger organizations like NAREP, um, it will be helping educate the the professional as well. Um, through shows like this, I feel like we have a lot of mortgage brokers, real estate agents, everybody's listening in. It's just a great way to, to, to educate the professional because I feel like working together, we can really keep the community uh, strong and so they can make good decisions in 2024. So how can we meet the buyer in person, right? We just talked about where I think the market is going. It's going away more. It's going, I think it's going to go away from this digital footprint where it's going to be more personal interaction, and, and particularly with the Hispanic community because they, they maybe don't trust this. Mm -hmm. uh, they surely don't trust the banking system, sure. right? Um, but it was uh, 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 Johnny Ornalis suggested, which, which I haven't had a chance to do it with, but I love your, your take on it, Alex, is maybe meet them at the churches, right? Where, where can we meet the Hispanic buyer face to face and say, how can we help you? I mean, it's going to be church and, and community. I think, the, at least from my experience, we're very family-oriented Hispanic. So the, the odds of finding us at 545, 6 o'clock business networking events, unless you're already in the professional space. And what you're about happy there, hour? Is, is, yeah, it's going to be limited. No. You know, it's going to be... 
I'm sorry. It's going to be limited. Yeah. It's yeah. it's going to be places. We where... We like to stay with family. Mm-hmm. I think um, if, if if you want, if you worked all day, you just want to go home and just want to be with your family. We're not going to happy hours. You know, buyer seminars, things like that. I don't think are going to work that well just because the Hispanic. That's not. That's not what they want to do. I, I think churches is a great way. Um, I would hate to think just go to church to meet buyers. Well, that's the whole reason yeah. not to go there. Yeah. But, but we're being practical, right? Yeah. Right. So how can we, if that's the answer, if the answer is is to connect with the priest or the pastor or whatever yeah. in that and say, look, do you have a community yeah. there of Hispanics and we're in the business, yeah. NARAP, of helping? Yeah. How can we set up? Mm-hmm some sort of home buyer seminar, yeah. something like that. I'm not talking about going to church and as you get the host, go, hey, I think NARAP, hey, 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 you want to buy a house? I think NARAP should do a weekly show on the Isle of Seville Network. It could be, yeah, I think that could be a good conversation to have. I mean, you do that, goes yeah. bananas. It's the I most think efficient Facebook, way. believe it or not, Facebook is a huge source of information for Hispanics. I know my grandmother. It's the number one website in the world. Yeah. Number one yeah. app in the world. Well, what's, yeah, my my grandmother's think... like 80, she, it was just her birthday yesterday um happy birthday yeah happy birthday to happy birthday. grandma um what are you talking abuela abuelita abuela yeah. abuela. abuela sara yeah um and she's on facebook all the time she sends me fe- facebook stuff every day and so is my other grandma um so facebook is definitely they're, they're paying attention on facebook um and i think cultivating the relationships that we already have and and making sure that you know your sphere knows who you are and that you're here to help them. And er, like, we all want to buy a house. And we need to make sure that everybody in our sphere knows that we, that's, that's our mission. To help those that want to buy in, our, in their you know, respective families, that we're here for them. But if you um, take a look at the data, the comment that you made, we all want to buy a house. There's a lot of people out there that just gave up. That they don't want to buy a house. Mm-hmm. That they just look, I'm just going to rent because this is too difficult. I find with the Hispanic community, they laser focus on it. They understand because the, the stats prove it. They yeah. understand home ownership is the quickest way, other than calling yeah. Alex Erpy, is the quickest <laughs> way to financial uh, st- yeah. stability. Correct. And I think I think I think the Latino community understands cash flow in a very good way, in the sense of I think. If you, if you are exactly, because if you are focused on prices and interest rates, you are going to be turned away from this market. Yeah. You're going to be like turned off. Like ah, no, it's not. If you bring it down to okay, what is this going to cost me per month in mortgage payment? Mm-hmm. Then I, then a lot more people would realize. Wait a second, I I can actually <clears throat> afford to yeah. purchase a home because when you compare my more my monthly mortgage payment all inclusive to my monthly rent. Yeah. That investment, that change of three hundred dollars yeah. a month, four hundred, is actually something that I can do. Right. But it, and I think the Latino community kind of gets that because we work. Yeah. Everything is ta- a lot of things are cash flow with us. Yeah. If you're just looking out there in the older mentality of, oh, this pri- this home is this price and interest rates are now, you know, let's say that time when they hit seven and eight, right? Yeah. Oh my goodness, interest rates are seven and eight, and six years ago they were two and three quarters. That's going to turn you off and say, "Well, it must be unaffordable." But eighteen percent in the eighties. Yeah, but if what well, for though if you look, if you were like eighteen percent in the eighties, you're like, "This is great. This is super affordable." But, but to Jerry's but if you point, bring I, it, I, I wasn't paying four hundred thousand for the house. For the house. But if you bring it down, which is what we try to work with people a lot, say, "What is the actual yeah. mortgage payment?" And I think Latinos get that very well. Yeah. So I've been and doing even this. if Latinos are not ready, I don't think they give up. 
I, the, the, the Latino clients I'm working with right now that sat with a, a mortgage broker or, or, or uh, you know, a lender and, and reviewed their numbers and they're like, look, this is what you can afford right now. It doesn't look like we're going to find anything at this price point. But this is how we can help you. But this is how we're going to do it. And they're all excited to start working on making it work. It's like, what do we have to do? We have to improve our credit? Okay, let's see how we do that. Do we have to uh, pay off a car or sell a car? Like, how, how are we going to get there? And they all get excited to do I'll give you a great example. It was a family that um, came to me last year when there wasn't an ITIN, a tax ID program. And, and we tried looking with what the, the bank had approved them for, which was very low. Um, nothing that we found really, like, did it for them. And I was like, look, let's put, let's put a pause on things. Let's work on finding a better option. And we did. And as soon as the better option came this year, I called them, and they immediately started looking for houses again. There wasn't a sense of like, no, I don't want to. I didn't have to convince them to jump back in the water. They're just ready to go. And, and I think we help, helping them get to that point um, will make it happen. But they, they definitely don't, don't give up. It was just like, we can't do it. OK, why? Okay, now let's figure it out when we get there. A hundred percent, and I've been doing this for three and a half decades, and everybody, for the most part, ninety percent, buy by the by the monthly payment. Do not mm. buy by interest rates or whatever. And the the, the media's kind of got everybody shocked about it. Um, but that's the reason I was asking the question yeah. earlier about you know is that conversation even coming up with the buyers? They're they're more like where am I going to find it at the price point and how much is my monthly payment going? That's to exactly make? right. Monthly payment is the most important thing. And if they see that it's even a little higher than what they're paying it, right, they know that it's theirs. So they'd rather pay more than what they're paying in a rental to put it in, into something that's, that's theirs. So when you see me wander into the Catholic Church, stand away from me because lightning <laughs> might, might end up hitting me. Uh, <laughs> James Watson up. watching the program. James, A-plus people. Love James Watson. My brother-in-law. Absolutely. He says, at nine square miles in an expensive town, is any zoning change really going to make a difference for creating affordable housing? Particularly taking into account we're looking at 10 years of or more of folks moving to the area before any of the change comes to the fruition. Absolutely right. <clears throat> and I think this whole upzoning thing is nothing but window dressing. Um, well, maybe it, it's it, maybe happen. it's our children, James, that yeah. will see it. Yeah. Um, it's not going to be anytime soon. You know what the quickest path is, and I think Jerry would agree to me with this, and it'll never happen. You know what the quickest path is to increase inventory is to increase. What's up? The five percent. Well, that's Almaro County. That's a different jurisdiction. I know it's a different jurisdiction, but that will impact everybody. Yeah, if, if, but that ain't going to happen. It, it, we will be. I Maybe my children, our children. I'll be long forgotten before that happens. <laughs> uh, Kevin Higgins asks, is vertical growth the solution? Um, I just don't think there's the political capital there for vertical growth. Um, vertical <clears throat> growth may happen, but look at the project on Ivy Road. That's 10 floors and 200 and some apartments and 130 feet tall. The backlash from the Lewis Mountain neighborhood is so severe that the developers basically saying, and it's an out-of-market developer, RMD, uh, properties is basically saying if we can't do it as is, we can't do this project. So particularly since the, and I'm an affordable housing advocate, I chair an affordable housing board, uh, land trust on it, with the criteria that they put in there, putting my developer hat on, and in in it, it, it's really going to slow it down because the math just isn't going to work on it. He's uh, talking about the affordable housing criteria. Yeah, and it's just not going to work. But uh, we're going to wrap up here, guys. So 
Thank you very much. Uh, tell me a little bit quickly Christmas traditions in your household. Oh, that we do? So, well, tip, what we've typically done, obviously it's going to be a little different for me this year. I'm going yeah, to taste the taste of the German tradition uh-huh. because my, uh, like my wife's mom is German. and stuff like that. It, it, yeah, a lot of mooses and elk. And, no, but um, they, you know, they have a different set. But for us, pretty much, I think the number one thing is, so the Italian side, you get a lot of fish yep. on Christmas Eve. So you get numerous variations of fish. Sometimes you get the fried calamari, fried batala, you get the fish salad is a very common one with the octopus. Mm. Um, Christmas morning is always my father makes hot chocolate. So he makes this wonderful, I mean, and it's the Spanish hot chocolate is not like your Swiss Miss American, you know, stuff. It's like melted, pure melted chocolate that's just so thick you need a spoon to have it and we have it with a variety that's the number one thing that we do in the morning and then the the dinner varies because we always we we mix it up sometimes we used to do the the cuban you know you I mean the cuban meal is always pops up so you get the the roast pork with the um, arroz con frijoles uh platanos fritos and the tostones sometimes we switch it up and do meals from movies mm. like well if we watch a movie we like we'll like recreate what they had, if it was goose or duck, year, yeah. which That's is a cool. lot of fun. We, we've, we've had some good meals from, from like doing that. Like the cheese that. pizza that Kevin wanted on Home Alone? We go a little higher, than the, okay. a little more refined than, than the cheese pizza. Really? What's, what's a movie? Yeah. So like for one year, we did uh, the shop around the corner. It's the old oh, yeah. version oh, of yeah. You've Got Mail. Okay. And they had, in the thing, there's a guy, they go to the, the, the owner of the shop, Jeez. mentions this meal that he's going to take one of his employees to. And it was a roast goose with uh, baked apples, wow. uh, red cabbage, and cucumber salad with apple strudel. So we kind of recreated yeah. that meal. Yeah. You know, we've done some others there. So we, it's fun. But yeah, I mean, I've read that we have the book that has the, you know, the. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to offend anybody who likes goose or duck, but that's definitely not on top of my. Talking, it's just a bit oh. too oily and in, in, in game. Oh, when, no, when you do it right. Okay. When, we'll, when you'll, you'll Mrs. Erpy puts it in. You'll have to invite, invite me over. But you celebrate on Christmas Eve? For the sake of time. We, both, we end up doing both. We eat two days. Nice. <laughs> I like that. Um, we focused on Christmas Eve. So yeah, our, our big here. thing is uh, Noche Buena. Oh. Uh, where we, it's a really a whole day endeavor of getting the house ready for the party and roasting the pig in the middle of it. So, so we spend probably six hours roasting a pig. Did you do the whole pig? The whole pig, yeah. So we... We typically go in the morning <laughs> to find the pig, um, and in Miami, every every place that sells a pig will have a super long line. So you, you try to you try to get there early uh, to get the pig that you want uh, to feed the family, um, and then we take it home, we prepare it, and we typically do it the night before, the day before, to because we marinate the pig. Oh. The day before, the kids hate it because they see a, a pig lying in the kitchen table uh, <laughs> with the head out and everything. So, I love that. Uh, but we marinated the day before, and then we we roasted the whole day on on Christmas Eve, Nochebuena, and it's just it's the biggest day of the year for the family to to come together um, and and appreciate one another and um, and dance and listen to music and it typically. I mean, my Noche Buenas go into the, you know, four in the morning. Sometimes. Really? Yeah. Get yeah. out of town. Oh, yeah, man. We, we, that sounds we awesome. Spend, yeah, we had a lot of fun. And then the next day, we typically don't do anything. Everybody kind of this. Yeah, I would think after Christmas four day. o'clock in yeah. the morning. Mm-hmm. Everybody kind of goes their own way. And uh, we actually open presents at midnight, which is super. That's what we oh, do. Oh, that's different. really cool. Yeah, because 
the whole <clears throat> Santa thing wasn't really a thing growing up. Did it you have kind of, Three Kings? Was that the big? What, what we was had the big? Three Kings also, um, which, but my mom couldn't do presents <laughs> too much in a row, so it was yeah. like uh, Christmas was the big present um, okay. stuff. Um, but the whole like there wasn't you know, gifts under the tree and then there was gifts under the tree on Christmas day and everybody waking up in the morning to get the gifts. That wasn't really how we did it. It was kind of like we spent the whole night yeah. partying and at 12, all the kids would rush to the tree to open whatever oh. gifts were there. So, yeah. So that's awesome. Thank you guys. This yeah. gentleman has a show to, to get ready for him. We're a bit yeah. over time. So thank you. Merry Christmas. Thank Happy you. holidays to everybody. Likewise. Thank you for coming in. Yeah. What, once a, once a month we'll be doing the NAR rap and we'll talk yeah. about, see if we can expand it yeah. a little bit. Later. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you guys. Um, Alex, Keith, Virgil, Judah. This is Real Talk with Keith Smith. The I Love Seville show is up in about an hour. Thank you kindly for joining us on a Monday. So long, everybody. Very well. Actually, you're going to do good. I'm looking.